God is, is calling and fashioning people to amazing things, but it's all within his, <laughs> his perfect timing. It's all within his perfect timing. The way that God orchestrated the events was really cool because it's in his perfect timing. So I hope you guys are grabbing onto this. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're going to go through a little bit. Um, absolutely. See, like it's down to a script almost sometimes. Anyway, before we get into it, as you guys are either turning there or getting ready to read it with me, um, do you guys, how many people were born in 2005? Okay. That makes me feel old, but it's fine. Um, uh, what about 2005 or later, if you were after 2005? Okay. <laughs> Again, make me feel old. It's fine. Um, hey, so are you guys familiar with, um, and, and maybe you w will be just in, in like a, a history class or whatever, but are you guys familiar with uh, Hurricane Katrina at all? Yeah, yeah. Lear learned, learned about it and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I was old enough to really remember it and like watch on the news like what was happening and obviously uh, uh, adult leaders who are older than me uh, would, parents who are older than me would. Um, hopefully you guys have studied it and took a look at, taken a look at it. Took a look. It's weird. It's my southern coming through. Um, hopefully you've taken a look at it because it was remarkable at how devastating it was. Have you ever seen something that's like so crazy and traumatic and devastating that it's like almost like, wow, like the just magnitude of the destruction is almost like a, a crazy thing to even sit back and examine? Um, hurricane Katrina was, was crazy like that. It was, this, it was this hurricane that came through and just destroyed New Orleans and Louisiana and Mississippi and that entire Gulf area, like just completely wrecked it. And um, one of the cool things that we do in addition to Speed the Light and in addition to uh, everything that we do within uh, the assemblies, which is such a cool network to be a part of, do you, are you guys, have any of you heard of Convoy of Hope at all? Familiar with Convoy of Hope? Okay, a few of you, cool. Well, Convoy of Hope, um, I'll, just, I'll just read this because they had such an instrumental part in, Convo, uh, Convoy did, had such an instrumental part in Hurricane Katrina, and it actually shaped them uh, just as much as they helped uh, the people around and affected. I was reading a, a blog uh, article thing from Convoy's website, and this is what it said. I want to read it. It's really quick. It says, as Katrina gained intensity in the Gulf of Mexico, it was clear that the storm would be bad. But no one expected the wide-reaching damage Katrina would inflict. Isn't that right? If you've seen pictures, if you've studied it, you would know. The morning after the hurricane made landfall, Convoy of Hope employees arrived at headquarters, at the Convoy headquarters, to find every single phone ringing off the hooks. It, it was a much smaller organization in 2005 when Katrina hit. Like, now it's huge. Macy and I just were in Springfield. We got the chance to see the building. Like, it was huge. And there's so many employees that are there, and they do so much work. They have so many trucks, all this stuff. But in 2005, when Katrina hit, there were 50 employees, and that was it. 50. And it was clear that the response was going to take an all-hands-deck situation, all-hands-on-deck situation. Family and friends of staff members arrived to help. Could you imagine 
being a family member and somebody comes to you and they're like, can you help me do my job? And you're like, wait, that you're supposed to do your job? Like, why are you asking me? But like, Katrina was so horrible for this area and they were so understaffed because they only had 50 people. Like, it wasn't this big operation that it is today that they had to bring in family members and friends of, of the staff to come in and help. And they set up phone banks on folding tables so that they could answer the request because they had churches that were calling for resources. They had uh, people who were looking for help. There were volunteers and donors who were asking, like, what do we need to do? And there were even people who were calling, and this is what's so sad. They were calling Convoy because they were like, I can't find my family member. I've lost them. And Convoy had to deal with all of this, with the staff of... that Katrina pushed convoy to, that the answering machine crashed immediately. Immediately, the answering machine was completely crashed. And it said that they had to take the messages on paper and run them around to all of the different staff in the building just to make sure that messages were being contacted and stuff was getting done. Could you imagine... Like back in the, you know, like back in the day before they had like answering machines. Remember how like newsrooms used to do that where it'd be like, take this to so-and-so and you'd have to take the paper and actually run it across the hall. Like that's what they were having to do with these messages. It was crazy because all they had was 50 people. And if you've seen Convoy today, it's a much bigger operation, isn't it? And if, you, if you've seen Convoy, uh, if you uh, are familiar with them, if there is any disaster naturally in America and even across the world, Convoy is one of the first people, the first entities to go out and actually help the, 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 the people that are there. They do such an amazing work, and it forced them to get bigger because they had a burden for Katrina, which then said, hey, I think we need to grow this thing. I think we need to grow our reach. I think we need to make this thing bigger. And, and, and they grew into what they are now, which is this amazing organization that does so much for the disasters that happen here in America and around the world. They grew because they were ready to rally people together around a burden that was Hurricane Katrina. And then it sparked this entire movement moving forward. So cool. It's such a cool story. And what we're going to read about today in Nehemiah is kind of the same way. Nehemiah uh, was this man who had been, uh, you know, we talked about the Persian king and Esther was a Jew. Uh, Nehemiah is kind of in the same situation, except he's not a queen, obviously. Um, but, but he's a cupbearer to the Persian king at the time. And at that time, you had a lot of influence as a cupbearer. Because, does anybody know why? Anybody know why you would have influence as a cupbearer? Why? Yeah, back in the day, they were trying to poison kings, y'all. So imagine being the cupbearer, and you basically are like, hey, um, before I drink this and somebody tries to kill me, you drink it. Mm -mm, no, thank you. But, like, what that came with was a ton of influence. So here Nehemiah is. He's this Jewish man. Jerusalem is his home. But he finds himself working in the, in the Persian king's um, office and in, in, his, in his kingdom. And Nehemiah has some friends and family who come to him and they say, hey, 
You know your, your home where your descendants are in Jerusalem, right? That's the holy place. Uh, yeah, it's completely in ruins. The wall there is completely broken down. And back in that day, that was a disgrace. And so Nehemiah is deeply grieved by this, and he thinks about it constantly. And so before we read, if you guys would just bow your heads and, and close your eyes now that I got that introduction kind of out of the way. Father, we're asking for you to speak through this message. We're asking for you to do something tonight and move in a way that, that maybe you haven't moved before for these students. I pray that they would have open uh, eyes, open ears to listen and see everything it is that you want them to see and hear tonight. I pray your blessing over this message and over the rest of our time together, Lord. I pray that it would be impactful. I pray that they would be able to receive from you what maybe they've never received before. Thank you for letting me uh, have the opportunity to speak into their lives uh, from your word. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so let's get into this. Chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses here and then we'll get into this first point. So it says, in the ninth month of Nisan, all right, yep, anyway, uh, in the 20th year, King Anna, uh, Anaxerxes, uh, when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine, it's written in first person, so this is Nehemiah, and I gave it to the king, and I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. And how many people know if you're a king, you don't want your cupbearer to have be sad? Because if he's sad, you're like, why are you sad? Is it because you drank something weird? Because if you drank something weird, then we got a problem. <laughs> so he says, why are you sad? And it says, Nehemiah, uh, Nehemiah says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lied, uh, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? It says, then the king said to me, what is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then the king said, with the queen sitting behind, uh, beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I think there's something really interesting in this interaction between the king and Nehemiah. Because he asks Nehemiah a very important question that I think sometimes we have to ask ourselves. Actually, I know we have to ask ourselves this question. And that is, what is it you want? So that's the first thing that I want you guys to write down if you are taking notes. Like, what is it that you want? Nehemiah, and this is crazy. Like I said, he got the news that Jerusalem is just broken up. And he is grieved for four months about it. When have you guys been sad about something for four months? If you have been, and I know people are, it takes something big, it takes something important, it takes something that means something to you for you to be sad for four months, for you to be grieved or think about something for four months. And that's where Nehemiah found himself in. And... 
The king says, hey, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? What's, what's troubling you? And it's so cool because the timing of it was, was such that there was a Persian festival that was going on in this time. And the king was like pretty much like, uh, you remember how Nebuchadnezzar, or not Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, whoa, I'm getting really weird. Remember how the king uh, 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 Xerxes asked Esther, like, what is it that you, you want? I'll give you anything, right? Like, it's kind of the same way that this was. Uh, pretty much if you ask the king for something in this time, he would be like, done, let's do it. And so it's really interesting that the timing, it finds itself in the way that it is. And Nehemiah asks to build the land of his ancestors, but he doesn't mention Jerusalem. Why? Because the Persians didn't like Jerusalem, and they didn't want Israel to be powerful again. They didn't want Judah to be powerful again. And then there's, in verse 4, there's this spontaneous prayer. Remember how he says, in, in verse 4, he says, I prayed. I took a moment when he asked me what I want, and I prayed. Guys, that's awesome because that's one of the, uh, one of this, the, the most beautiful spontaneous prayers. And I know you guys have prayed spontaneous prayers before because how many people have never studied for a test, and then you ask God to still give you all the answers? I've been there. You're like, God, if you would just please, just really quick at last minute. And that's not really what he did. Obviously, he was walking with God in such a way that, that he could turn away to him and, and, and really pray to him. But he takes just a, a quick moment, and it's not a big prayer. It's not a long prayer. He didn't fast or pray like Esther did, but, but it's just really quick. He says, God, just give me wisdom. And then he says what he wants, but he doesn't say Jerusalem by name because he's calculated in it. And Nehemiah... Now, confident after his quick prayer, asks to rebuild the city of Judah without mentioning by name. The, the Persian king actually had already stopped construction. Like, he was building it and then just stopped. Like, so it was already kind of a lost cause. So he just has to play it really carefully. But notice that four months is a long time to wrestle with something. And for... For somebody to come up to Nehemiah, for the king to come up to Nehemiah and say, what is it that you want? And for him to pray and look to God and say, man, I just, I just really need you right now. And then to actually assert it and start moving forward, which we're going to get into. There's got to be things in you. There's got to be things in you. Where, where God is, is, is looking at you and looking at your situation and saying, what is it that you want? What is it that, that, that you want? What is troubling you? You guys prayed prayers and, 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 said, and just been honest with God and been like, hey, man, this is what's going on. I need you right now to fix this situation and help me here and heal this person and do this. Like, you just have a list. Well, God is pretty much doing that in the same way that the king was. We can go into his presence through Jesus and ask him for anything. So there are things that fire you up or get you passionate. Maybe, maybe it's some of the stuff that we're doing in Speed the Light. Where God is prompting you and saying, what is it that you want? What is it that I can help you take care of? What is it that you want? If that makes no sense to you, imagine it like this. Have you guys ever walked in that confidence of a birthday season or a Christmas season or a graduation season, huh? Yeah. You ever walked in that confidence? Man, that's a special kind of confidence. When you are about to have a birthday coming up or it's about to be Christmas or it's about to be your graduation or something, and you're like, okay, 
I know I can get most of what I want. So I'm going to ask for this, 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 this. And it's crazy, but I'm going to ask for it because I'm the graduate or I'm the birthday boy or it's, my, it's Christmas. You know, like, you're just like, I'm, I know this is a crazy ask, but I'm still going to ask it. And there's, you wouldn't do that normally, right? If it wasn't a birthday, if it wasn't a graduation, if it wasn't Christmas, maybe some of you would. I don't know. But, like, there's just this special kind of confidence of, like, I know, like, I'm actually wearing something tonight. My, my Red Sox jersey. Uh, it's an early birthday gift for, for, my, for my parents. And I was like, oh, I really want this Red Sox jersey. And, like, I think I can, if I just say that it's a birthday present, like, I think I can use that birthday swing and really get it, you know? You guys have been there. I'm not the only one, right? I'm not the only one calculating, like, oh, what can I do for my birthday or what can I do for this? Maybe I am. Macy also did this in, in Christmas. She's the real MVP, uh, if you don't know. But, like, uh, I got a PS5 in, at the beginning of December, which was crazy because those things are so hard to get. And I, I, I told you guys, I went on my three-week thing of, like, I have a PS5. Anyway, um, so I told Macy, I'm like, hey, so I got this PS5, but I don't have any games for it. And Christmas is coming up. Um, could you maybe get me Miles Morales, the new Spider-Man game? Because I'm a nerd and I really love it. So please, like, maybe. And I'm like, ah, she's not going to buy me a video game. But it was Christmas. So, of course, she got me one. And so, so I opened it up. And she's like, I just know I will never buy you another video game. Just know that. But, uh, but, but here's this. And it was Christmas. So that's, like, why I got it. There's a special kind of confidence. And I think that in the same way that we have that confidence during a birthday season or during a graduation season or during a Christmas season, I think we should walk in that confidence knowing that we can go to God. And, and when he says, what is it that you want, that we can go to him and actually say, like, this is on my heart. This is, this is what I want. This is what I want to see done. Let's go ahead and, and read uh, again in uh, chapter 7. We'll read through uh, verse 10. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have the letters to the government, uh, to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, so that they will pri provide me with safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I, may I have a letter to, to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for, this, uh, for the gates by the temple for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, and I gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent uh, ar uh, army officials and cavalry with me. So he's not even just rolling by himself. Like, he's rolling deep. Got military with him. It says, when... when um, when when uh, sound ballot, sand ballot, sorry, uh, the the honorite and and Tobiah the the Ammonite official heard this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites because again they didn't like people in Israel. So we know this question of what is it that you want. And like I said, with, with, with asking for presents and things like that, Nehemiah does exactly that. He says, okay, you're going to give me what I want. I want this. I want this. I want this. I want this. And he just gives out his list. He just gives out his list. And he's like, I want this. I need this. I need this. And he gets even more. He gets, like, military protection as well. Like, he gets a ton of help. He felt like he was sharing in God's purposes 
And he felt like the active guidance and the blessing that he needed to allow him to complete the task, he, he believed that because God had laid it on his heart, he was going to get everything that he needed. And he began to prepare to build, uh, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, the wall of Jerusalem. He, he was ready to go, and he had his wish list. He had his, his, his target list, his, his Costco list, his grocery list. He was ready to go. He was ready to go. He had everything. He's like, I am ready to do the work. Guys, like Nehemiah, we have to ask the question or get asked the question. We have to answer. We have to prepare for the work. We can't just name off a list and then not do anything about it. Nehemiah names off the list, and then he gets it, and then he moves on. He's like, okay, let's make this thing happen. Are you guys with me? You sure? Everybody with me? We good? I think in the same way, in the same way that Nehemiah linked his passion, this thing that God placed on his heart, he, he, he linked it up with some tangible resources to get it done. And I think that we should take what God has laid on our heart and what he's asking of us, or what he's laying for us to do, and we should put some tangible, practical resources to it. We should, we should be able to, 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 to make a, a list and start moving with what God has placed on our heart. Because here's the cool thing. When we start to begin to move, when we start to begin, that's an interesting thing. When we start and begin to move in what God has for us and what he desires, when we begin to fulfill our purpose to the greatest extent that we can, he helps us follow through with what it is that we want. For me, um, ministry is cool because you can kind of do it at any age. But for me, I remember sitting in, in, in college, I, I, I actually went to school to like study youth ministry. Like that's actually my degree. Macy tells me it's worthless, but you guys make sure it's not. So I love you guys. Anyway, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She, she doesn't. She loves me. I promise. Uh, but, but like literally, I remember sitting in class for the first time in Bible school, and my, my amazing professor, he, dude, he's so cool. If you ever are like, I want to go into youth ministry, you need to go to Evangel, and you need to link up with this guy because he's amazing. His name's Chris. He's such a mentor for me. I still talk to him. I'm actually going to talk to him this week. I'm really excited about it, but like, he sat in class with us, and one of the first things that he ever said, I had like eight or nine classes with him. One of the first things he says is, he goes, hey, just want to be honest with you guys. You guys could go out and do this now. He said, you guys could go out and do it now. Some of you are going out as a, as a youth leader or whatever. That's what I did. But he's like, some of you guys are just going to sit in a classroom for four years. He goes, you guys just want to let you know, you could leave this room now and go and do ministry right now. You could take a youth pastor job. You could take a lead pastor job and just do it. He's like, but you're not. And he turned around and he asked us all why we were doing what we were doing. And it was because we had heard of the call of God in our lives, sitting in a classroom with a bunch of awesome pastors now, four years down the line. They're, they're amazing. They're all over the country. We spread like wildfire. But um, we're sitting in that room and we had the call. We understood our purpose. We knew what we were going to do, but we wanted to take some time to really hone it in. It's what these interns who graduated, 
It's what the interns who are still going th uh, through the internship, like that's what they're doing. They're taking time to hone the things that, that God has placed on their heart so that by the end of their time, that God would bless it and be able to honor it and just be able to open up doors that wouldn't open previously. So guys, I just want to say publicly, you guys are awesome, interns. Just wanted to let you guys know. Give it up for them. Come on now. So, everything good? All right. I'm almost done, I promise. There's an importance to prepare for what God is calling for you. There's an importance to it. Don't feel like what you're doing in your calling or what you're doing and what God has placed on your heart is, is worthless because you're not actually preparing to do it. Then in, in Nehemiah uh, 16, and I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase it. I'm not going to actually go through it. But basically, he checks the city. He, checks, he goes to Judah. He checks the wall. He looks at it, and he starts to rally the people together. He starts to rally the people in Jerusalem, and he says, no, 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 we're not going to just let this wall sit here because it's actually a disgrace to God. Like, we're going to let this thing be rebuilt, and we're going to do it well, and we're going to go after it. He had the passion. He had the resources. He was ready to do it. It took an outsider to assess the situation and rally people to the new efforts of rebuilding the wall. So I want you guys to know that yes, you have to listen to the question of what God wants for you. Yes, you have to start getting prepared for the work there, but then you have to actually do what God has placed on your heart. You have to do the thing that God is calling you to do. You can't just sit and let somebody else do it. We've been talking that. That's one of Macy's biggest things on her heart. Like, you guys can do things that we can't. You just can. Yes, you guys can carry uh, the gospel into places that we can't go. You guys can share with people that we don't even know. Like, you guys have a reach that's far beyond just us. And Nehemiah's opponents, they ridiculed and they mocked him and they had contempt for him. But he didn't refute any of the enemy's claims. All he said is, I have trust in God. I trust in God. I've seen him work. I've seen him begin to move me. He's helped me prepare for this. I'm ready to step in. And so tonight, tonight, I, I just want you to, to, to just ask yourself, what is the wall that you want to rebuild tonight? What is it that, that, that God has placed on your heart for months or years even? And God is saying, I want you to do this. What is it? Identify it. Look at it. Answer God when he says, what is it that you want? Because we can't armchair quarterback our way through the call that God has placed on our life. Do you guys, it would be really weird, and I'm about to close, I promise. But it would be really weird if I was like a youth director and not like just another word for a youth pastor. But if I literally was just telling a youth pastor what to say and what to do the entire time. Do you imagine how weird that would be? I do the sermon notes, and you have to say it in a certain way, and you have to do it in a certain way, and you have to dress a certain way, and, like, I'm just preparing everything. 
be really weird, right? You'd be like, you're not my youth pastor. This dude is like this weird Wizard of Oz guy behind the, the curtain who's like planning everything. You know what I mean? Like, that's what it would look like. Guys, you can't do that with the call that God has placed on your life. You can't. You cannot armchair quarterback your way through the call that God has placed. Nehemiah heard the call and he took it and he used his position to get things done. It's an amazing testament of the faithfulness of God. He trusted God through the construction of the wall, but he also did his part to move so that God would bless it. And guess what? Can I tell you? Do you know how long it took them to rebuild the wall? If you were here on Sunday, you would know. Uh, for high schoolers, middle schoolers, you guys would have left. But close. Close. It's 52. And guys, this was a really long wall. Like, it should not have been that quick. The only reason why it was that quick was because God had blessed it. And God took it and said, yep, we're doing this now. And I'm going to bless it. And I'm going to make sure that this thing is, is going we have the work. We have to do the work to receive the blessing, guys. That's what it boils down to. So tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we enter into a time of worship, I want you guys to really, really, really reflect on what God has placed in you and what he's wanting you to not only just do, we're not asking you to do anything alone, okay? What is he calling you to, to rally people around and get stuff done? Maybe you've identified the call. Start identifying the people to do it with you. That's what Nehemiah, that's what makes his story so amazing. And, and they did it in a time that should have never been done. So tonight, if you were, if you were to, to, to say, hey, man, with this message, Josh, I, I, uh, I don't even know what God is calling me to, but I really want to hear it tonight. Guys, as we enter into worship, start and begin to, start and begin, here we go again. Begin to listen to what it is that God is placing on your heart. Because whatever it is that he's speaking over you, whatever it is that you can't seem to shake, it's probably the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I want you to do this. God, I, 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 God is saying, I want you guys to, 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 to move this way. So tonight, if you would, were to say, hey, Josh, I need help even identifying that, would you just please raise your hand? If you're saying, I want to identify my calling. I want to identify my calling. I want to figure out where I'm supposed to be. Awesome, thank you. Tonight, if you were to say, Josh, I I've identified my calling, but like, I don't know how to step into it. I don't know how to rally a team. I don't know how to make this thing work. But I want to do that. I'm at that step. I know where I'm called. I know what I'm called to do. But I really want a team to be able to do it with me. I want people to come alongside of me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? See, I've identified it, and I'm just ready to move, but I need people to run with me. That's you tonight. Thank you. Tonight, if you were to, to say, Josh, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. <laughs> Straight up. Josh, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You have no idea. Like, I don't care what you're talking about, a wall or, or, or a call or anything. Maybe tonight you don't even believe that 
God is like a real entity. Tonight you're like, I don't, I don't know the first thing. I don't know anything. Let me tell you, God is real. He has his hand. As we've, we close out this time in the Old Testament, God has had his hand on his people. So much so that we're about to go into the New Testament and really read about Jesus, his son, the son of God, uh, the son of God who died on a cross for your sins. Tonight, if you were to say, I, I, I just need that first step to even believe. We have youth leaders. We have parents. We have people who want to talk you through that. Tonight, if you were to say, I just, I just want to, I just want to be open to what God has. I don't, I'm not even asking for a commitment tonight. But if you're just like, I just want to be open to what it is that God has. If that's you tonight, would you just please raise your hand and we'll pray. Thank you. Father, I pray over each and every student that is here tonight. I pray that your hand would be over them. I pray that like Nehemiah being in the situation and in the circumstance that he found himself in with the king, that you, that you would just ask, what is it that, you, that, that we want? Lord, and I pray that we would be able to identify it. I pray that we would be able to put a name to it. Lord, and we would be